Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando Sanchez. Jared Cowley on my right. Nate Hansen on my left. The one and only Max Barr on the ones and twos. Welcome to another edition and podcast. We've been we've been waiting for a game like this. And, and <laughs> the Portland Trail Blazers did something we haven't seen in quite some time. Maybe all season long. And that yeah. was play really well and beat a good team. Yep. They, they they actually play defense, guys. Yeah, that like, was, that was the biggest surprise to me of the entire game against Houston is that from about tip till <laughs> the buzzer at the end, we had 48 minutes of good, solid defense from the Blazers. And, I mean, you hold James Harden to a season low 13 points. It was unexpected and impressive at the same time. I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of just waiting on, okay, yep. when is this oh, going to fade? 100%. And when is it going to wear off? Yeah, I was going to say that my biggest surprise was that they played four full quarters Yeah. because I kept expecting the, you know, Harden to hit three or four threes in a row and the Rockets to go on a run and just run away with it in the end. But the Blazers pretty much led that thing from start to finish and never seemed like they were out of control of, of winning that game. I was about to ask you, early in the fourth quarter when the Rockets cut it to like six it's or over. whatever, <laughs> what, 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 were you thinking the Blazers were actually going to hold on and win that game? Because I certainly was not. No, I, thought, I thought, oh, it was over, here man. we go. This yep. is happening. I don't know. I still I wasn't, I wasn't quite there yet. All right. Jared still has some of that optimism. Yeah, he yeah. didn't kill it all last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you know the drill. There's three of us. There's three questions. So there's three answers on KGW.com. So let's dive right into it. And we've got to talk about this Rockets game. Um, first, was this the best win of the season? And second, does a win like that have any meaningful impact for the Blazers going forward? Yeah, I think it was the best win of the season, and I don't think it was close. I mean, the only one that I'd put up there was the third game of the season when they yeah when they beat the Mavericks on the road. But even in that game, they didn't play well for the entire game. They had to come back from 19 points down mm-hmm. to win that game. Houston, they're one of the best teams in the NBA. They were completely healthy. It was on the road. The Blazers, like we talked about, they had controlled the game from start to finish. So there's no asterisk on this win. So best win of the season. It's also the first time, and I, I talked about this uh, with a few people, it's the first time I can remember in a while enjoying watching a Blazers game. Yeah, <laughs> And that's kind of mean, but the Blazers are just the worst combination right now in that they are boring and they're frustrating to watch. Yes. Because 
we've seen this on offense. They get bogged down with isolation, lack of ball movement, and that makes them boring to watch. And then on defense, they're so inept that it makes them frustrating to watch. And so <laughs> boring and frustrating, it's a terrible combination. But last night, like we talked about, they executed, they actually had a defensive game plan, and they executed it. It was this odd kind of box-in-one or diamond-in-one zone defense, and they've thrown that out a little bit, especially since Carmelo Anthony got here. But up to this point, they haven't really executed it, and last night they did. I mean, it takes really good one-on-one defense against James Harden, and then it takes every other player on the court executing the fundamentals of that zone defense to make sure that they're helping, you know, when, when, when someone gets by their man. And they, for the most part, they did that throughout the entire game, and, and that was really impressive. The offense was still a lot of iso ball, yeah. but at the same time, they made plays when they needed to. When the Rockets would make little little pushes, they would push back. So it was the best uh, win of the season, one of the Blazers' best performances of the season, and it was great to see. Now, does it have a meaningful impact going forward? That's up to the Blazers, okay, because I have to trust right now what you've seen from them up to this point in the season, which is that they're not a very good team. I went back and looked at other teams, bad teams that have beat the Rockets this season. They lost to the Kings, the Pistons, the Warriors, the Pelicans, and it's not like those wins flipped a switch for those teams. Yeah. So I don't know if you can expect that for the Blazers. I know Blazers fans would want it to be something bigger. They want it to be the catalyst to one of these second-half surges we've seen from the Blazers and from Damian Lillard, but that's on the Blazers. They have to prove it, and I have to see more from them before I'm – willing to think that this was anything other than a team getting hot one night and beating a team that wasn't really on top of their game. And the Rockets haven't been on top of their game for about the last week. They're they're struggling a little bit right now. So fortunately for the Blazers, they did catch them probably at the right time. But nevertheless, Jared is right. This isn't even close in terms of their best win of the season. I mean, there's only – They've only had five wins against teams with winning records. Two of them were Oklahoma City when they were struggling early in the year. And you mentioned the Dallas win, and that was really too early in the year to say, like, oh, that was a great team win. You know, Blazers, that was a Zach Collins game where he got hurt, you know. And at that point, you didn't know that the Mavericks were this good. Yeah, exactly. And then with Toronto, they were missing their best players when the Blazers beat them last week. So it's really, this isn't even close. And I touched on earlier, the defense was – biggest change from what we haven't seen from the Blazers in the past is we've seen them play well offensively last night. I believe all five starters scored in double figures last night. And we've seen that before with the Blazers and they still end up losing. Yeah. It's because they don't play any defense. And we finally saw them play some team defense yesterday. Jason Quick had his write-up of last night's game in the Athletic where he talked about Early in the third quarter, James Harden, CJ forced and baseline like they wanted to, and then Hassan Whiteside wasn't there to help, and James Harden got an easy layup, and Stotts immediately called timeout and lit into Hassan Whiteside for not helping out and holding him accountable. And Damian Lillard, you know, was quoted as saying, I have no problem with yeah. holding guys more accountable. He feels they have, but it could probably be taken to another level, and they're going to need that type of accountability just because of their depth issues, because – of what they lack overall as a team because of injuries, they have to play near-perfect basketball to beat good teams. And that was what they did last night. Kent Bazemore struggled shooting. Dame struggled shooting from three, but CJ was lights out for the most part. Melo was lights out. Hassan Whiteside had his best game in a long time last night. And everything just melted right for them. And as for what this means going forward, Jared said it in a very nice way that this is up for the Blazers. This means nothing going forward for me in terms of what to expect for the Blazers. I think they played really well one night, 
But I got 41 games in my back pocket that say this team is not very good, and so I'm going to lean on those 41. It's pretty rare where I actually care about defense. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I really don't care about defense. I, I don't really care to watch it. It's, it's just part of the game that I have to deal with to watch the offense. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, make no mistake about it, like, it was entertaining basketball last night, to yep, your point, yeah. Jared. Um, I enjoyed watching them play defense. And even when they were playing offense, they were playing defense. Uh, in the third quarter, Dame wanted Harden on him yep. to attack him. Yep. And really wear him down. And that they, even in the post-game interview, hearing Dame talk about how important it was to try and get the ball out of Harden's hands. Yeah. And to see them execute a game plan like that defensively, yeah. at least, minimum, shows me that they can do that. <laughs> and they did it against the most prolific scorer we've seen in years. It wow. was having... One of the greatest terrors of all I, time. I, 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 we said they had another prolific scorer in the Moda Center this past Saturday too, and that did not go as well. Yeah, not as he's not scoring the way Harden is. Though. Well, he is. If if I mean we can get into we're not going to get into this, but if you average their thirty six per, Giannis is scoring just as much as Harden. He only plays thirty minutes a game. Yeah, but who's scoring more? Because he's playing more minutes. But yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, you can make the disclaimer all you want. Yeah, okay. But when when they hand out you know scoring yeah. champions. Yeah, James and, Harden's going to be scoring yes. champions. Yes, and what they did to him was very impressive. Now, maybe he had an off night, and next next time they meet up, or they, they've still got more more games. They got at least one more. Yeah, yeah. so maybe next time they play again, they try the same thing, and he lights them up. But minimum, it shows me that they can do what they set out to do defensively. And offensively, to your point, they got help off the bench. Everybody who got on – that. Everybody who went into the game scored a bucket. Yes. Which is an improvement. The yeah. bench scored 20 seen. points, which seems like it's about double what they Exactly. Really yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness, they're hitting shots, yeah. you know? And Even uh, Kent Bazemore hit a random three here yeah. and there. I mean, he took, like, 20 of them, but he made a couple. But yeah. I think Bazemore, I mean, he missed shots, but I thought that was one of the best games I've seen from him in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, he rebounded the ball. He was engaged. He played actual s- solid fundamental defense instead of over-aggressive over eager defense and fouling a lot, uh, I was impressed with Baysmore last night. And there was a, a sequence that was late in that game when it got cut to six, where we saw back-to-back three pointers from from bench players. I think Tolliver hit one, and I'm and drawing CJ hit another CJ one. CJ hit, yeah. hit hit the big one, and um, so it was just you saw it wasn't just Dame and or CJ taking over this game. Yeah, like you got contribution from other places. Absolutely. So even when Dame took over in the third quarter. I know that he had to feel good about kicking it out and knowing, like, I made the right play. They're going to hit a shot. They're going to help us out. Yeah. So, yeah, to your point, Nate, we've seen 41 other reasons why we shouldn't believe what we saw. But on the other hand, we also saw something we haven't seen before. That's true. I have a question, and this is going to go back to a discussion we had about a month ago when we discussed best backcourt, and this doesn't even have to be Mm. a discussion. Uh, You guys took Harden and Westbrook over Dame and CJ. Does anything of last night change your opinion? Overall, no. No, yeah. I mean, Harden was shut down last night, and I think that Westbrook is certainly worse than than Lillard, and I don't know. He's he's probably better than than CJ, but 
Um, but no, I still think that Houston has the best backcourt. I love that you brought up Westbrook because I can't believe I, this I, should have been the top of mind. But I love the other thing about this whole game was I was waiting for the trash talk, <laughs> yeah. and it did it delivered as usual. I mean, he was it, it he was, was the most off. Russell Westbrook yeah, trash talk. I loved it. it was so Russell Westbrook. Like he scored, he had this huge. He ended up with a triple double, right? Yes, they were yes, hyping it up did. all yeah. game, yeah. and he dropped thirty points, and he's talking trash down ten with four minutes left. It's I like. Loved it. Oh, we've, it's we've so talked, Russell Westbrook. We've talked about empty stats on this yeah. podcast before, and <laughs> Russell Westbrook is the king of empty stats. Yeah, he and Hassan Whiteside, like Hassan Whiteside actually had an impact in the game yep. yesterday, whereas Russell Westbrook did not. Like him saying, it, you know, it's impossible to guard me. He's going to the free throw uh, line, and he actually and misses, he misses the, the free throw. throw. <laughs> like it was so good. It was entertaining. Even – during the uh, handshakes, he's still talking. He's talking to Blazers security about who knows what. He was I, still talking after the game. Yes. Right. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even Dame is, like, like shaking his head like, well, that's Russ. Like, yeah. it had that look to it. But I enjoyed it. Uh, it was not only their best win of the season, but probably their most entertaining as well. And that was a lot of fun. It reminded me of what it was like to watch a Blazers game last year. Yes. Back to the question about whether this is meaningful – I think if the Blazers' schedule going forward wasn't so murderous, <laughs> yeah. I might feel differently about it. Or maybe if, if the Blazers were a better team, because therefore the schedule wouldn't seem sure. as murderous if they were a better team. But they're not. I mean, yeah. but if like they had the, just kind of a normal schedule going forward, then I might be able to see them. They could turn this into some momentum. But it's that you know until the All Star break and they've. I mean until the trade deadline and even a little bit after, they're just playing winning team after winning team after winning team after winning team. And it's really hard for me to see them, this roster as it is right now, maintain any kind of momentum. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see them be able to do that and get Nurkic back and, and see what can happen, but I, I just need to see more from them. Well, this is going to be a, a point in the season, at least podcast-wise, where <laughs> we're going to look back on this moment and we're either going to be so right or so wrong. <laughs> I about, think we're. I think in about, about two that. weeks we're going to forget they even won this game. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to be at that point with the Blazers. So. Question number two. Okay, we've got uh, three weeks to the, the NBA trade deadline, and the rumor machine is going crazy right now. But there have been a couple of reports about the Blazers in the past week. The Athletics' Sam Amick reported that sources close to the Blazers are downplaying that Kevin Love is a viable trade option for Portland. And ESPN's Brian Winworth said that the message he's hearing is that the Blazers are putting out that they might stand pat at the deadline. Is this really going to be a quiet trade deadline for the Blazers? Oh, man, these trade <laughs> questions just keep getting worse and worse as we get closer to the <laughs> deadline. Like, all the first couple months of the season is who Dude. is going to be the big star for it? It wasn't, wasn't are they going to, it was who is it going to be? Yeah, and then the last couple of weeks it's going to be, well, are they going to get a big star for it or are we just going to settle for some role players? <laughs> now, like, the role players, if they get a couple role players, we'll be, like, popping champagne pain in here that they did something at this point this is i'm still right where i am before and i don't i have no idea none of us do on what the market is like who's available what it's going to take to bring them on board what the blazers prioritize in terms of bringing a player on board but i i just can't go you can't do nothing like standing pat makes no sense what if Yusuf Nurkic is back, and that's your hope, which is the underlying theme here, is they're hoping Yusuf Nurkic comes back, things will turn around for the Blazers, they'll make the playoffs, and they'll see what they can do once they get in there. But if Yusuf Nurkic is back, why is Hassan Whiteside on the roster? 
at $27 million and just going to probably walk away at the end of the year. Why keep him? There's, there's no reason for it whatsoever. Same with Kent Bazemore. You know, Kent, the Blazers aren't going to bring back Kent Bazemore next year. No way. So why keep him here till the end of the year? Yes, it may be difficult to trade him, and yes, it may not be what you wanted, and maybe you do lose that PR hit, but I still want something rather than nothing, and I'm it still makes my blood boil, guys. <laughs> like the, the the idea of this, it, it it's just logically it doesn't make any sense. It seems insane. Yeah, it. I agree with you completely. It, it doesn't make any sense to me why you wouldn't try to take advantage of these assets that you have. You know this is Damian Lillard's prime. You yeah. know this is the time to try and build this roster into the closest thing you can to championship contention because yeah. that's what Dame wants and that's what Dame deserves. But there are a lot of reasons why this could be a quiet trade deadline. You might be seeing that the trade market for expiring contracts has diminished considerably, and that lessens its value, the trade value of both Whiteside and Bazemore because I don't think they have any trade value on their own. No. You know, Bazemore's not playing well, and Hassan Whiteside has a rep- reputation as not being a player who makes winning plays. And so I don't think teams are beating down the Blazers' door to get them unless the expiring contracts have value, and right now it seems like they don't. It might be that the kind of players the Blazers want to trade for, and you kind of touched on this, Nate, that even if they're not out there, they should still do something. But it might be that they have the kind of player in mind, and those players just aren't on the market right now, or the asking price for them is too high. It might also be financial. Yes, that's a good We don't point. know where ownership is right now. Trading either of those two players most likely brings back players with contracts that extend beyond this season. So ownership might think right now that letting almost $50 million of contracts yeah. expire and come off an already overcrowded salary cap is the right thing to do. I don't know if I agree with that, but I could absolutely see ownership thinking that because of the way this season has yeah. gone. And if ownership has made that decision and instructed Neil Shea about that, then then there's nothing that can be done. Yeah. And so with the reports we've seen, these two reports from Amick and Windhorse, I think there's a couple things possibly at play. The first scenario is maybe this really is the Blazers' plan. Maybe they plan to stand pat. And Neil Shea kind of taking the lid off the no-leak, you know, mantra that he has and that the front office has might be a way to inform other executives of that and also kind of lessen the blow for Blazers fans. Yeah. Kind of get that in their minds ahead of time so that what would be a no doubt demoralizing trade deadline day, they're prepared for it. The other option is that the Blazers don't have any leverage right now. And so Neil Shea is putting this information out there to try to create some leverage. Every executive knows the Blazers' two most available pieces are Whiteside and Bazemore, and right now it looks like their value is diminished. And so Neil Shea could be thinking that he puts this information out there, especially to other executives, that they're not even interested in being in the trade market at all. And maybe as you get closer to the deadline, that prompts other front offices to improve their trade offers in conversations with the Blazers. Honestly, I think the second scenario makes more sense unless the ownership has said we need to let these contracts expire. But if that hasn't happened, I think that Neil Shea is trying to play, you know, front office mind games here. That makes most sense to me. If I'm another team's front office and I hear the Blazers want to stand pat, I say go ahead. 
Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah, I'm not, not gonna, saying it's going to work. Like, that's not going to threaten me to, you know, try to get Hassan Whiteside and Kent Bazemore's expiring contracts. I'll go and look elsewhere to try to make something. Like, the Blazers standing pat, especially if you're, like, a Western Conference team, the Blazers standing pat is the best news for the rest of the conference because that's one less team who's going to be a potential title contender moving the next couple of years. So that wouldn't scare me at all. And now the ownership thing, cutting costs, that I think has the most legitimacy in terms of our theories here on why the Blazers would not do anything. Because they, they still have the highest payroll in the yeah. NBA, and the team is 18-24 and 24 right now, and they're not going to contend for a championship this year. And so when you're looking at that, you're saying, why are we paying so much money for a team – who's not even who will barely make the playoffs at best. But you also have to realize we're still going to be paying a ton of money moving forward. You know, Dame and CJ are not going to get cheaper as they move forward and the goal is to still win a championship and you're going to have to pay at some point top dollar again. And when are you going to have the opportunity to do that again and get that type of player that'll be worth that top dollar? I don't know when that will be available to them again. One point with that would be to reset the luxury tax. Yes. Because when the the penalties become really punitive is when you are a repeater. And it's three seasons of repeating as a luxury team. The the Blazers, this is their second team or second season paying the luxury tax. So if they don't reset for next season and not be in the luxury tax, then those penalties are going to be severe. And so that might be their thinking is that instead of bringing on like say they were to trade for Kevin Love, you bring in Kevin Love even though it's a talent upgrade it's going to be really hard to stay under the luxury tax next season. And then you're a, and then you're not getting under the luxury tax after that. Mm-hmm. And so then it gets even worse and worse and worse. So they might be looking to try and reset that for next season. The ownership angle is super fascinating because even though Olshea has come out and said, Jody Allen is all in on this thing. And she was last year. Uh, you know, yeah. you could see it. I mean, yeah. I, and I even was, in the offseason. I was there in Denver. She was out there excited with all the players hugging them as they were coming into the yeah. locker room. I remember that stuff. But we're really going to see in a moment like this, like, yeah. how much is she about it? You know, yeah. the, the way that Paul Allen was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that, to your point, like, that probably has the most legitimacy to the Blazers standing pat, yeah. if that happens. Now, I'm not refuting what they're reporting, and I, I don't doubt that they're hearing stuff from, oh, I'm yeah. sure from great sources. They're yeah. good reporters. But this is how the Blazers roll, man. Like, yeah. we, we still have three weeks until the trade deadline. And I think even in our previous conversations, we said, you know what, this is going to be a thing that's going to take a little while. Like, there's a whole filling out process between GMs where they say, all right, what's on the table here? And it's a back and forth. Like, these type of things rarely get done immediately as soon as they can pull the trigger. And, I mean, how many big deals are you seeing so far right now? We're not seeing a whole lot of action yet. No. no. It's still so early in this process. You need the deadline to force desperation, essentially. And that's what the Blazers – that's what will be interesting is how desperate are the Blazers going to be to try to be a title contender in Dame's prime. Because, say, they don't want to be – get into that repeater luxury tax, and they do cut salary back for next season. Well, when are you going to get another top-of-the-line star forward to pair with Nurk, CJ, and Dame? Because I think we're all, for the most part, in agreement. Those three plus uh, what they have right now and other role players is not going to be enough to win a title during Dame's prime. So at some point, like, you don't have these opportunities, which is why it's just mind-boggling to me that they would just totally let this go to waste. And we'll see when, you know, when 
when they're up against the hours come February 6th if they're really that desperate right, and, and that dedicated could, to doing this. And th- yeah, of course, this, is, this could be like the let's temper expectations. Things sure. are getting out of control yeah. in, in Rip City. And maybe Kevin Love wasn't their first Oh, I'm sure you know, he wasn't. <laughs> target anyway. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to downplay Kevin Love as a viable trade option because that's like probably plan C or D for them. And, I, I would hope so. And there are so many other guys out there that we don't even know could be on the table, that could be on the trading block, that teams may be willing to trade. So I would say pump the brake on, brakes on this, Rip City. Like, no, don't kill Neil Olshay yeah, yet. Not yet. Just, not until February 6th. <laughs> start getting the pitchforks ready for February 6th, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah. Start but, getting them ready. But at this point, it, it's just too early in the process, league-wide, much less yeah. you know the, the Blazers. But I do think it's, it's a super interesting discussion, it, and you bring up some really interesting points, Jared, on the, on the possibilities of why this wouldn't happen. Really quick, and I'll, I'll try to make this fast because I, I – I don't want to belabor this point, and I think we should move on. But the, one of the main things that makes me think it is a financial issue is is Kevin Love, actually. Because we have good reporting that the Blazers tried to trade for Kevin Love a year ago. Yeah. And now the only difference with Kevin Love is he has a longer-term contract, which has you know a, a big amount of money for the next three seasons beyond this one. Other than that, he's healthier than he was at that point. He's having a good season. So what has changed? The only thing that has changed with Kevin Love, and whether you think Kevin Love is, is a good fit or not, is not my point because we know the Blazers liked him a year ago. Yeah. So if they don't like him now and the only thing that's different is money, then it makes sense it, that it might be finances. Yeah, and I feel like his trade value now would be less than what it was yeah. a year ago in I terms agree. of what you'd have to give up to get him. So, yeah, and be, besides the injuries and the age, like that's what it's been, right? That it's, contract it's is always, so big, yeah, right? Exactly. Cool. Well, let's let's move on because that's going to be a topic that we're going to probably discuss for the. Well, next yeah, because it's not. I mean, this isn't just like the Portland Trailblazers. This isn't just like us, like NBA wide. Like they're the they're one of the couple handful of teams that like league wide people are looking at is yeah. what are you going to do right. at this trade deadline? Because they've been setting up for it for six months now. Besides yep. the wins and losses, the two big stories. When is Yusuf Nurkic coming back, and yep. what are the Blazers going to do by February 6th? All right, question number three. It's prediction time. The Blazers play three games between now and our next podcast. They've got two more on the road. Friday at the Mavericks, who are 26-15. and 15. Saturday at the Thunder, they're 23-18. and 18. And then they come back home on Monday to face the Warriors, who are 9-33. and 33. Woo, baby. Yeah, right. Which games do the Blazers win, and which games do the Blazers lose? You want to give us the update on our standings? Sure. How about I do that? Orlando, 26-13 and 13 on the year, still doing fairly well. Although, Jared and I gained a game yep. on you last yep. week because you were a fool and picked the Blazers to, greedy, beat, to beat Minnesota. And that they did not beat Minnesota, no. not even come close. Good for a quarter, man. I was feeling nice. Yeah, so those other three were not. <laughs> the other 36 minutes were rough. Uh, Jared is only now one game behind you yep. at 25 and 14, and I'm now two games behind you at 24 and 15. So we're still. I feel like we're ahead of where we were last year at this time in terms of games over 500 and how we're doing with these picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think so. Uh, just looking on this on his face, I feel like we're, we're going to be the same. Guys, uh, it has that, that uh, vibe. I mean, they're 
Max is extremely bored right now. Yeah, we uh, Max, chime in here. You, you look disgusted. Just make the pick. I mean, it's one and two. Just say everyone. You guys are going one and yes. two. Yes, but 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 it could be they could turn it around, Max. They just had they just beat the Rockets. James Harden, thirteen points. We're making a run to the Western Conference Finals again. Come on. No. I'll only believe it when you say two and one. Okay. Well. Oh. Uh, a one Ooh. and two. <laughs> one and two. Yeah, they beat the Warriors, lose the other two. Although, 0-3 oh is in the books because the Warriors have played them tough twice, beat them once, lost them the other. Were you at all tempted to, to take uh, them to beat OKC? No. No? No way. Me neither. I, I That's was, where we're at. Oh. I was a little bit. Oh, I, did I you? Was. No. Oh, you're fine. not going to give us another freebie no, this week? No. Oh, I come on. You, I gave you one last week. <laughs> come man. on, man. But I was a little tempted by that OKC game. Let me see if I can change your mind. Steven Adams has injured his knee. Mm. I think the Thunder has a game Friday as well. He's questionable. Mm. If he's out, can the Blazers beat him? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> the only thing that would have changed my mind with OKC, because I, I don't think that they're going to beat the Mavericks, would have, if it was at home, I might have gone back and forth on it, but because it's on the road. No, I mean, one game doesn't change anything. Yeah, We have to see more. The MO for the Blazers is they, for the most part, they beat the bad teams and they lose to the good teams. And so this has to be a one and two week. All right. Well, we got and over Blazers, with prove us wrong. We got it over with nice and quick for you, Max. I there guess you, go, Max. you just wanted to take over the microphone. Go ahead and do your thing here now. It has to be, has to be all about Max apparently now. It wasn't, wasn't quick enough. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Room for improvement, brother. You've got mail. We've got a few listener questions to go over. Thanks again to everyone who submitted the questions. Jared, let people know how they can get involved. Yeah, if you want to email us questions, you can email us at 3on3blazers at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter and tweet your questions at us we will put out tweets asking for questions the day of or the day before the podcast so look for those tweets uh you can find me on twitter at jared cowley at orlando kgw at enhance underscore kgw and i am at max and bar so we got some questions from kimmy goat here that you guys have all basically addressed they're good questions there can the houston win be the turnaround for the season and is it true that the that baysmore and whiteside might not go anywhere so Let's move on to Dan Nell's yeah. question. Any word on Collins' return? Well, uh, we had the report from Jason Quick a week ago that Collins will be cleared for, I think, on-court work, but not like contact yeah, and not, not practice contact, or anything like yeah. that, uh, at the All-Star break. Yeah. And that Collins said that he definitely will come back this season. Now, whether he's allowed to or not is another question, and that he plans to play again I think in March. Given if the Blazers really, truly believe they may stand pat, then the expectation, I'm sure, internally within the organization is he's going to be back at some point this year as well. Yeah. I think we talked about it before. I think it's important for him and Nurkic to get some reps together on the court oh, yeah, this season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that leads us into Brad Williams' question. When is Nurk coming back? I still feel like the All-Star break is – what was that date? Jared, you picked out a date like a month or two ago. They're going to play the Pelicans in Portland. It was late in February It was sometime. the first game after the All-Star break. I think it's February 21st. Yeah. I don't have a calendar in front of me, but um, that was my guess. My only question is if he's – he's going to come back when he's ready. Yeah. And if that's before the All-Star break, if that's before the trade deadline, 
then that's going to happen. But I think the most likely scenario is, again, that it happens sometime around the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, we're getting, what day is it right now in January? The 16th today? Yeah. So, I mean, February 21st is just a little over a month away. I feel like if it was going to happen, you know, anytime, even before the All-Star break, we'd start hearing a little bit of something about how it could be an early return for him, and we still haven't yeah. heard anything. So I'm going to settle uh, kind of with the original game plan around the a little after the All-Star break. Next question is from A.B. Fogelquist. I want to hear Orlando answer one of these, <laughs> I'm not, man. I, I should actually say I'm nodding in, in agreement. Yeah. I, I like where you're going. A.B. <laughs> wants to know, who do you need back in the lineup to build on momentum? Is it someone else other than Nurkic? We'll let Orlando go first on this Nurk, one. Nurk, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nurk. It's, it's 100%. Like he is that important to this yep. Yeah. I mean, I think some people can forget just how good he was for Portland last year. And granted – I personally, I don't expect him to be that player when he returns. I think it's going to take him some time, and it may take him some time even it, into the beginning of next season. We, it may not be mid-season 2020-2021 until we start seeing that Nurkic we saw last year where he was the Blazers' second-best player on their team. He had surpassed C.J. McCollum, certainly in terms of valuable, but I think in terms of just overall ability and what he meant to the team, he was Portland's second-best player before he got hurt. He was playing at a really high level, and so, and he's the best defensive player. Defensively, there are so many things would be improved just by having Yusuf Nurkic back. And yeah. on offense, too. Yeah. I mean, he impacts the game more than anyone else on this team other than Damian Lillard. Yeah. And on offense, I mean, the Blazers have slipped to about middle of the league this season in offense. And I think the main reason for that is because they don't have Yusuf Nurkic. His ability to make plays for others is the the biggest difference between him and Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. You know, in the pick and roll, Hassan Whiteside is a pretty good role man. He can score, but Nurkic makes plays for everyone and he opens up ball movement. He he'll get rid of, you know, the Blazers' reliance on ISO like we've seen this season. Uh, just yeah, it's 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 Nurkic for sure. All right, last question here. This is from our buddy Matthew, the Reverend Romulus. Oh, he stuck around with us, Max, <laughs> even after here. even after you took some shots last week. Well, I didn't hear any response from him. Oh, <laughs> oh, whoa, oh, I don't want to start a Twitter beef here no, between we, you two. We love Matthew. Yeah. I just thought we were his number one. Yeah, <laughs> before anyone else. All right, so Matthew says, Tolliver and Bazemore have both put together a couple of nice games in the last week. We didn't talk about that Tolliver game against yeah. the Hornets. The Hornets, yeah. Unreal. Say, he, he, I mean, that – if they don't win that game, think of how oh, badly yeah. we – like, they were on the brink of losing to the Hornets. They would have lost that game if it wasn't for Tolliver. Totally. Which of the two, Tolliver or Bazemore, is m the most likely to keep up this productive play going forward? And does good play from Bazemore make him more or less likely to be moved at the deadline? Cool. I need Bazemore to play better. Yeah, I would <laughs> – Yeah, <laughs> but which one is more likely to play better was the question, not who do they need more to play better. Which one is more likely? They're I, both getting reps. I, I feel, for me, I think the answer is Tolliver just because, I mean, Basemore has played and played and played, and he has been pretty much the same player all season. Tolliver's minutes have gone up and down, and he's getting a little more opportunity right now. We've seen now a couple of games. Like, I don't think Tolliver – I think he has room to grow, whereas Bazemore, I don't know how much room Bazemore has to grow. I think kind of what we're seeing is what he is at this point in his career. So I'm going to say Tolliver. Yeah, I trust in – I actually trust in Tolliver a little bit more to keep up this play going forward because I feel like 
outside of shooting, Tolliver has been just a cagey veteran, you know, what you'd expect on yeah. the court. He's in the right, you know, spots on the court when he's supposed to be. He's, you know, he's he's fine. He's solid out there. But he hasn't been hitting his shots, and that is his main value. And so I believe that if he gets rolling and starts hitting those shots, then at least he's a good, you know, backup off the bench. And because of his track record as a good three-point shooter his entire career, I believe that he can get that going. And with Bazemore, we've now had all of this season and last season ha- at least half or more of last season where he has really struggled on offense. I also think the expectation and what they're expected to do out there is totally different. Yeah. So, like, Tolliver, when he got here, was like, maybe him and Pau Gasol can yeah. share some minutes. Yeah. Like, whereas you and I, especially myself, yeah. were saying, oh, like, he's going to put uh, – Bazemore is going to push to be a starter. He's, yeah. he's going to push uh, Rodney Hood for that spot. So, yeah, I think there, there's a lot more room for Tolliver to continue this. Yeah. And since he wasn't shooting as well at the beginning of the year, we're starting to see more of what he was supposed to do yeah. now. And yeah. maybe that becomes more of a comfort thing because he's out there more and it's a, a role type thing where he and knows where he needs to be. Whereas – Bazemore is kind of all over the place. Yeah. yeah, and potentially if Yusuf Nurkic returns, Tolliver's role, like what they need from him, you would think they wouldn't need or expect as much from him once Yusuf Nurkic returns to the lineup, whereas Bazemore, they're still going to rely exactly. on him to do what they're hoping he yeah. he's can do like last night. Uh, it's interesting. No more Bazemore Island over here for you fellas, huh? What happened over there? I'm still there, man. Yeah? I'm you still, still got there. the umbrella, the like, chair, the drink, the it's beverage? Been, it's been rainy. And yeah? <laughs> like, the weather's been really bad. You know, like, I'm having a hard time renting out the other the other space. I've yeah, got there, Jared, so. are you still there? Or like, you, I know you jumped ship, kind of. You kind of stayed close to the island. Are you, are you like, floated out at sea now? No, I'm, I'm nowhere near Bazemore Island okay. anymore. But, I mean, I just kind of... He is what he is now. Yeah. You know, and I, I do think the other part of Matthew's question, if Bazemore plays better leading up to the deadline, does it make him more or less likely to be moved? That's such a good question because if he's playing well and considering the Blazers' complete <laughs> lack of wings, <laughs> can you afford to move him right. unless you're getting back someone who's going to start at small forward? Yeah. And so I think, but at the same time, if he's playing well and looks a part of a 3 and D guy, then there might be contenders out there that would want someone like that to help. I also I wonder uh, if it's too late. Yeah I, yeah, I mean... It would just be like three weeks, two, two and a half weeks yeah. of good play. Unless he falls completely off a cliff over the next three weeks, I don't think his play is really going to have much of a factor into whether the Blazers choose to trade him or not or really affect his value. Because we just talked about his main value is the expiring contract, and that's still yeah. going to be the case regardless of if he plays well for a three-week stretch or continues to be kind of what we've seen. Mm-hmm. I, I would hope that if he does play well over the next three weeks, the Blazers don't talk themselves into something like, we need this guy for this year because forget about this year. Like, you can't have that type of thinking as an organization. Yeah, and I think that's easy for us to see, but I don't, oh, know, yeah. I don't know if they see that because I, they understand how important making the playoffs is to, to, Damian to their franchise player. And so they might value that more than, than we do. You know, yeah. we can see this as a lost season. I mean, before they beat the Rockets, I was sitting there watching the Hornets game, and I was sitting next to Angie, and I said, am, am I, is there something wrong with me that I kind of want the Blazers to lose this game? 
The Hornets game? The Hornets okay. game. And it's because I was starting to go down the road, and I've done this with other teams I, I, I root for, is that if it's a lost season, what's the point of making the playoffs and getting swept versus bottoming out and getting a good asset? Because in the NBA and in other sports, if you're bad, you're rewarded. Yeah. You get a high draft pick, which would help the Blazers immensely going forward. One, it's a controlled contract and, and, and a small contract. And two, you could theoretically draft someone who would be one of the most talented players on your team. Or use now, they it don't, as a trade or asset. Or use it as a trade asset. Trade so I was getting close to the point. I really was of thinking, not that I think the Blazers should tank, but that the best course for this franchise going forward would be for this season to completely just go off the rails yeah. and get as high a draft pick as possible. And... Unfortunately, they I don't Damian think the Lillard franchise thinks that way. Yeah, Damian Lillard doesn't think that way. Yeah, and unfortunately, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are too good for the Blazers to try to tank you anyway. But are they? Yeah. Because with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum on this team right now, I mean, yeah, they beat the Rockets, and that's great. But they're still a, just a, a few games ahead of, like, you know, the fifth worst but, team in the NBA. But there's a big difference between, say – the fourth overall pick and the tenth overall pick, and Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum is that difference for Portland, in my opinion. Yeah, because Dame was the sixth pick and, and C.J. was there, the tenth. There, there, there's a big difference between picking fourth and picking tenth. And I to see me, what you're saying. The difference having Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum makes it really difficult for you to land that fourth pick as opposed to landing the tenth pick, and those are two completely different values. Right. Yeah. If you're playing them, yeah, it's it's going it's, it's going to be difficult. difficult. Yeah, you better yeah. you better start with the uh, limit, the uh, minute restrictions, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you'd have to go down that road. Like this, start this team is games and, and yeah, like this that. team is not going to go down that road. And right. I'm not saying do a full blow up, but don't get caught up in it and keep a guy who's not going to be around moving forward just because he caught hot for two weeks right, right before you were probably going to trade him. Like, don't do that as an organization. And I don't think they would. I think if they keep base more, there's it's not going to be because he plays well for two weeks. Yeah, it's an icing on the cake yeah. type deal if he plays well at the time, you yeah. know, February 6th rolls around. Plus, there's some value in getting your young players like Simons and Trent. a lot of Trent Jr., a yeah. lot of And they're getting run. Down the stretch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, they're getting run right now. All right. All right, you guys ready to rip it? Let's do it. Yep. Let's go. Great to be back with another week of Rip It. We are coming off a tie last week between Nate oh, and Orlando. Orlando saved the day at the end for him and Jared's sake. I was so close to getting three. Get oh, that man. Weak stuff out of here. I was so ah. close. You dropped a Hassan Whiteside <laughs> yep. reference. Yep. With the way this season of Rip It has gone and how hard is it, it is to actually win Rip It, like if you had taken a two-win lead that might have been enough to like sustain you the rest of the season i i would have been i would have probably brought a cake this week <laughs> well that's but what we'll save the cake that's what i was just about to say jared it's been tough to get wins this season yes let's find out how you did last week i feel i feel actually all right i feel like i'm in contention again this week Ooh. 
I don't know because I remember that I picked Harding to go over yeah. 36 and a half or whatever it was. Yeah, that, that, that I think I did the well. same thing. Well, let's start with the Timberwolves game. First question, more points, Andrew Wiggins or C.J. McCollum? Nate went with Andrew Wiggins. Orlando mm-hmm. and Jared both went with C.J., and this was Wiggins. Yep. Mm. 23 to 15. Mm. C.J. Not yeah. very close. Christian James, a, come on, man. Yeah, bad, man. Bad game for all the Blazers. That's yes, two good games Wiggins has had against the Blazers this year. He's lit them up twice. Speaking of bad games, Blazers versus Bucks. The question was, which team will shoot a better three-point percentage? I sure hope I took the Bucks. Jared <laughs> and Nate picked the Bucks. Mm. Orlando, you went with the home team. Ouch. Bucks shot 37% from well, maybe three. Maybe Portland did. Oh. Blazers, 28%. All right, All right, right there yeah. we go. That that seems more yeah. right. That's accurate. Yeah, that yeah, game. I'm, I'm happy I don't have the goose egg. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I remember thinking when he asked that question last week, like, I'm taking the Bucks, like, no matter what. <laughs> like, no matter what yeah, he throws at me, I'm up. taking the yeah, Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Moving on to the Hornets game. The question here, most rebounds, Carmelo Anthony, Bismack Biombo or PJ Washington? Oh, I feel good about this one. Yeah. Well, Nate went with the rookie PJ Washington. Orlando, you went with Bismack, who was did not play coach's Out. decision. Dude, this is a really rough week for you. A DNP. Just, just not Jared, my time, man. Oh, went man. three to the dome. Ooh, mellow. Carmelo only six rebounds. Washington oh. double doubled in a big way um, with yeah, eleven rebounds. Mm. He looks good. Yeah, he had yes. like he had like 18 points too. Have or you got like all that. three right? So I'm far? three for three oh, so man. far, man. Is that Jared, you only have one, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I just need to get one of these next two right. Come on, Jared. Oh man, we need you. Oh we need you, Jared. man, I already know that I'm wrong on one of them. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> you guys have uh, mentioned this next question: Blazers at Rockets uh, over under 36 and a half for James Harden. Nate, you went over. So this is going to end my perfect streak here. Orlando, you went under. (laughs) All right, way to go, Orlando, on the board. And, Jared, you said I got burned last time by going over. (laughs) So I'm going to go over again. (laughs) 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 You got got really burned again, Jared. Oh, man, stupid Harden. You guys (laughs) talked about it, 13 points for Harden, way under. Wow, that was season low. Shocking. Yeah. The wild card question of the week was the revenge game over under 17 and a half points for Carmelo Ooh. Anthony. All three of you went over, and he scored 18 points. Wow, what a line, Max. <laughs> what a Correct. line. Yeah. Oh, Max, well done on that Max, one. Well, you Thank are a you. machine. But more importantly than that. <laughs> oh, what oh, a week. What a week, gentlemen. <laughs> oh. Nate Hansen, four out of five. I'm that's that's got to be your highest ever, Nate. That really probably good. is. And that's that really is, uh, that's three. Now, my friends, oh, three rip-it titles this so far huge. this year. This is huge, Jared. You guys, uh, you're I like the Blazers. Know. You're starting to run out of time here oh. to turn this thing around. Is this a lost Oof. season? Yeah. I, I you guys just, you, it's, should it's you take? Way, man. Orlando, what's worse, having, you know, the knowledge that we might not be able to come back from this or knowing we have to deal with Nate bragging about it the whole oh, time? Oh, gosh. The <laughs> latter. Dude, the latter you're gonna, it's, a mile. It's a good, it could oh. be a really long offseason, too, compared to the last one. Because oh. last one, the Blazers <laughs> played yeah. well into May. That's this true. one, they may not even oh. – they may end in mid-April. So oh. I may get an extra month of bragging on you. Oh, no. Man, we got to do something about this, Orlando. Yeah, this is disgusting. He's yeah. insufferable right now. Oh. oh, this is – this feels – you know what, guys? You uh, you guys know I wasn't having the best day. I had some That's travel true. snafus. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty, pretty good right now. I'm happy for you because of that. There we go. Thank you. Jared, you're also very kind. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a lot of love in the room. Yeah. 
Let's move on to this. This is what Jared and I are usually like, as opposed to at each other's throats. Orlando and Jared, you guys can turn it around right now. Yep, gonna do it. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Let's keep building, man. All right, Blazers at Mavericks. Who's gonna score more points, Damian Lillard or Luka Doncic? Oh man, I think I know where Nate's going. Start, I, a, start I, us off. I right. want to go there. I really do, but I'm gonna go with Dame. I'm going against my boy. Okay, Orlando. I've got to make up some ground. I w- I wanted to go Dame in every way possible, but I, I've got to start playing for the win here. So I'll take Luca. All right, oh Jerry. man, I'm becoming the hunted all <laughs> of a sudden. Wow, <laughs> yep. what a change. I was Doncic from the start. I'm going with Luca. Okay. All right. Well, there's one for me. Next question. <laughs> Same game. Love it. Love it. Which total will be greater? Points from Anthony Simons oh, or yeah. assists from Ma- Luka Doncic? Max, oh, Max has really tested me now. <laughs> Where's your loyalty? Uh, oh Where's my. your loyalty? Max throwing in any Anthony Simons one <laughs> is really testing me. Yep, it's yep. like he's praying. He's like trying to help you guys, really. He's trying to bait me into taking Anthony Simons, who probably will only score like four or five points. Well, Anthony Simons averages about nine points a game. That's Doncic, true. nine assists. That's true. Simons' points per game over the last month has not been nine points per game, I don't think. Okay, uh, so which way are you going? I'm going with Doncic. I'm going back to my boy on this one. Let's swing to Doncic. All right. Sorry, Jared, Anthony. Jared, what do you think? I want to go Doncic. I'm, I'm wondering, though, I kind of want to oppose Nate on every question, though. <laughs> well, you that would have got you one right last time, which is, I think, what you got. Yeah, I'm going to so. go with my gut. I'm going to go Doncic. All right, Orlando? Not me, man. I'm here to punish Nate <laughs> yeah. for picking against his boy. I think you're punishing yourself, my friend. Penny is going off. Penny Simons. Penny Simons is going for 11. Dude. <laughs> All right. 11. <laughs> That's what you think. He's going off. 11 <laughs> points. 11. Get that double digit, baby. Come on, give Penny a little more credit. Than yeah, that. like Luca could have like 13 assists. He may have to score like 14 or 15 to do this, man. He could. <laughs> I think he had 13 assists yesterday. Luca's going to be held in check to 10 assists. So, Luca. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Shut <laughs> him down. <laughs> Shut him down, and Anthony's going off, baby. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right, moving on. Blazers at Thunder. Who will make the most three pointers in this game? CJ, Danilo Gallinari, or Dennis Schroeder? Oh, man. I'm going to go with future Portland Trailblazer Danilo Gallinari. Oh. Wow. Oh, there you yeah. go. Okay. There you go. Standing pass. Blazers are going to have to be offering something that they supposedly <laughs> don't want to give up yeah. if they're going to bring him in. Orlando, what do you think? I was watching a lot of old uh, highlights of that uh, Nuggets series last playoffs, and it, it got me back on that CJ train. <laughs> Even though he did me wrong last week in Rip It, I'm going Christian James. I, I feel like since you picked CJ – when he wasn't even an option once, <laughs> that you have to forever pick CJ and I may. the rest of the season <laughs> uh, because of that. Um, I'm going to roll with Orlando on this one. CJ McCollum. No love for Shooter. No. No. And right. He's having a good year. He's having a good year, yeah. Blazers versus Warriors. How many Warriors were scoring double oh, figures? Oh, not this <laughs> one again. <laughs> against the Blazers. Oh, this is a little change, right? Previously, it was yeah. how many Blazers against the Warriors. Mm. Who even can score 10 points on the Warriors? Pascal? How many, is Draymond going to play? How many players can I name on the Warriors? <laughs> Glenn, Glenn Robinson <laughs> the third. he's still there, right? Yeah. He's is there. Is Willie Cauley-Stein still there? He's there. 
Alec Burks, I, he he won the last Warriors question we did. He's I forgot there. what it was, but he won it. He's while, still there. While D'Angelo Nate Russell. Wax is poetic, I'm just going to put in my answer of four. All right. Orlando, what do you think? I think that's been my like steady go-to answer on this, and I've been wrong every time, so four. <laughs> <laughs> We're going five, baby. Oh, wow. We're going five. Yeah. The Warriors have scored against the Blazers. Like That has not been an issue for them, so I think they're going to score again. Yeah. All right. If someone's got to do it. Hopefully five of them do. We'll find out. <laughs> The wild card question of the week is all about Baysmore. Oh, nice. Baysy, it's cold outside. Ooh. <laughs> all right. Over under three and a half steals oh. in the next three games mm. for Camp Baysmore. He's got three games. We'll see how far Jared has fled off Baysmore Island. We, or I know what Orlando's I'm already relaxing. Here, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's <laughs> kicking back. The, the yeah. chair, the pull-out chair. Yeah, Orlando Orlando's going over clearly on Clearly taking one. the over. Yeah. Jared, what are you taking? Uh, let's go with the over. Oh, I'm going under. Yeah. All, All right. right. I'm oh, Okay, this is <laughs> – you might as well just give me four right now okay. for Rip It Wins. Yeah, under. We will find out in a much-anticipated Rip It recap next gotta week. Got to get back in this yeah. thing, Jared. You, you know what's going to happen is because I got all braggadocious again. I'm going to get like one out of five oh. again. But I'm, <laughs> I'm much better when I'm humble, but yeah. I'm not good at being humble, which is an issue. Yeah. Oh. The one win I have this season in Rip It. You were I not here. I, I'm not, no, I was here. Oh, okay. I think. Well, you, you, the recap, you were you called in. Yeah, yeah. and I and I goose-egged it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's next right. Week. Yeah. So. Well, how do we feel about the Blazers, guys? I feel like uh, we feel the same as we did a week ago. Not much changed despite that win. We've been hurt before, dude. Yeah, like, we've been hurt a lot we're this year. We're damaged goods right now. Yeah, man. <laughs> like We spent all offseason saying, if things break right. Yeah. And now it's just like, and can just like one thing kind of break right for like more than a day? They are what they are, but we still have the trade deadline to look forward to and Nurkic coming back. The return. The yep. return of Nurkic, that, that's going to be exciting. Man. Yeah. It's going to be good to yep. see him back out there. Double Beast, hopefully our podcast next week is as good as the return of Yusuf Nurkic. <laughs> there we go. What a tease. Way to go, man. Way to go out on a high note. 